is the Plot Blueprint Podcast, where we will be discussing all sorts of aspects of story. do now is we're going to take a famous brilliant scene in, from Casablanca the La Marseillaise scene and uh, analyze that and so I'll provide a link here we'll put that in the show notes and or you can get it on YouTube all over the place um, so watch that and then come back and we'll talk about how this scene is constructed and what we can learn about scenes from this particular scene now this is one of the most brilliant scenes I think in cinematic history uh but why not learn from the best so what's your um if you think of this as a scene let's think first what's the place what's the point of it in the story in the entire story which is the story of rick who owns uh, an american who owns a cafe in casablanca and uh where the not and the nazis have arrived to take over morocco uh, so I mean, this, this scene in that. Yeah, I mean, this is this incredibly important scene. This is when Rick switches from an inactive character, literally not acting, not taking action, uh, to uh, becoming an actor, uh, as in a person who acts um, uh, against. Uh, against the Nazis, who up until this point, uh, you know, he's been making money, selling them uh, drinks and whatnot. Um, but he won't let them gamble in his casino. He'll he'll let them buy drinks. Not sure about the ethics, this ethical line he's drawn there, but... But so this is... You, you can't say that he doesn't have an ethical code, though. But it's this just is, you're right, this weird. is before this. He's <clears throat> He's jousted with the nazis he's he has insulted them but he's never stood up against them up until this point in the what, scene. and this is probably what 60 percent of the way through the film what a metaphor for the american war effort uh right in world war ii well let's and and let's just quickly go over the context <laughs> here and uh, for those of you who um don't quite understand where this fits in this was filmed at the very beginning of 1942 so right after pearl harbor right after the U.S. got into what was then mostly European Pacific War. And then this was within a couple months of Pearl Harbor. Most of the people, most of the European actors were had fled the Nazis. So, and it's very raw. So when they're crying in this scene, they're really crying. Those actors are very much affected. Um, so... Um, so what else is... It? And the U.S. until December 7th, 1941, was neutral. The, uh, at least theoretically neutral officially neutral 
and Rick is a symbol of the of America. So, okay, let's look at it as a scene. So it's a very important scene. I think it's kind of the point of no return scene because once Rick does this, uh, he can't go back again. He can't go back to being neutral. Um, so let's break it into three. Where would you break this? If you're going to break the scene into three parts, what's the first part? Where does it break? And what's the ending? What's the setup? Where's the rising conflict? And then the... I mean, so I would say the setup, which is in, which is actually very interesting for how the scene plays out, is uh, the Rick versus Laszlo um, uh, little. I mean, very little argument because Rick shuts it down basically immediately and says, "Ask your wife," which is. Um, it, it feels like a real diss. Yes. I mean, I think it's meant to. <laughs> very, very uh, rude, uh, but uh, great roast uh, from Rick. And we see how clueless Laszlo is. This is two-thirds of the way through the film. And he knows they've met before. He knows that they know each other. He's like, ask my wife? What, what, what does my wife have to do with this? <laughs> so it's only dawning on him that maybe there would have been more going on between yeah, his wife and Rick. Yeah, looking back, maybe Laszlo shouldn't be the brains of the <laughs> resistance. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I think he's the charismatic leader. But you're right. He seems kind of dumb. Okay, so you'd say that's the setup, the two of them in that room together. Yes, and I think it's, I think it's also important that uh, we, we hear the Nazis... In, uh, oh, that's in the, the background. background, and in fact, um, that's what makes Rick break free of this argument. Yes, and I, and so that's also a reason why I think for well, I think there are multiple reasons why you know this is the setup in the first uh, uh, of the three is that the the carousing Nazis in this moment go from the background to uh, the foreground. Not just cinematography wise, but also uh, in Rick's mind and motivation, and also Laszlo's. Yeah, you can really see Rick is like, "We're done here. Let me go see what these Nazis are doing." Um, I think it's also it's brilliantly constructed because you have these people in this enclosed room, these two men. They're close to each other. They're arguing with each other. It's like this is the entire universe right here, and then you hear, "How do you hear?" How do you know the Nazis are, or there's anything else in the universe? Then you hear the Nazis singing uh, Deutschland, Deutschland, and um, their national anthem, the Nazi national anthem. And, and they, and that like intrudes as it was, because sound will rise up into this room up above the bar. And that's really interesting because it's like this little bridge, the transition. They're in this room alone. This calls them out. They go out and then they see. Where would you say the second part starts? The rising conflict. I mean, I think it... Well, so I, I think where it starts is is right after uh, so Rick and Laszlo arguing and Nazis singing in the background. Now they both, their attention have switched to the Nazis. They, That's a really good transition. Yeah. yeah. Um and so I think it I think it's it starts in that moment that the attention of Laszlo and Rick switching from uh, arguing with each other to focusing on 
the, I mean, focusing right. on the the Nazis. Yeah, there's this big kind of interior, exterior kind of thing where they're focused on each other, and then it opens up because of the noise, and then you open up to this big crowd. Um, and actually, you know, but there's an argument going on downstairs in the in the bar room too. So, um, yeah, the, the, this you know this film. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's worth seeing about fifty times because every time this is the first time really that I've seen this scene that I real realized what you were just talking about about the. The, the sound calling Rick out. Um, and um, it, it's, it's just interesting. There's so much that goes together because Laszlo, there's one point where he says, I'm not just the leader here. I'm also a husband. And that's, he says that later. And, and, um, and in here, Rick's the one who hears the Nazi thing and goes, I'm going to go stop that. Where Laszlo's still standing there saying, my wife, my wife. <laughs> and so he, he's gone back to being a husband there. So, um, Okay, so we they're on standing on the stairs, looking down over the railing, and you, and that's when it starts. And what's interesting is, so Laszlo comes out in back of Rick, and you know we understand Rick's much more involved because after all, this is his cafe, this is his bar room, and the and so everything it's it's all important to him. But Laszlo comes out, and I think this is the first time where it's really slammed in that Rick, who very much used to be a man of action, has become a man of inaction. And here Laszlo, who has just recovered from two years in a concentration camp, for God's sakes, is, is ready to take on the Nazis again. He, he's the big man of action. And also that Rick is very much a leader type, but he refuses to lead. Now, if that is not obviously symbolic of the United States in 1941... I mean, can we also just take a moment to appreciate how cool Rick is... I don't know. You know, I've always been a Laszlo fan, actually. He's... I mean, he... Yeah, but Laszlo wouldn't be if... Okay, so completely different genre. If it were a Western, it would not be starring Laszlo. No, and in fact, when we get to the central character, we have to talk about uh, why Rick is a central character. But, yeah, I mean, Rick... But Rick... One of the things is is that Rick in Humphrey Bogart is totally cool mm-hmm. and cool in that sort of ineffable sense of impressive and yeah, charismatic can, but low key. He can brood for an entire scene and somehow you still like him. Yeah, he which, can even brood drunkenly. Yeah, which uh, some completely different. But I had a conversation recently about oh, what is your least favorite Final Fantasy uh, protagonist? And everyone's like, oh, Squall, because he whines constantly, but just to himself. He just he's just a moody, brooding, uh, and and Rick's not that. So when he does brood, you you allow it. Because, yeah, he gets away with it. I'll yeah. tell you. Um, so so Rick, they come down on the staircase and looking over the railing, and the visuals are always really good in this in this film. You can see how they make use of very limited setting because this is truly wartime, yes. and there isn't a lot of money. This was not made on a big budget. Uh, they could not fly to Casablanca and do location <laughs> shots. They built this on some set somewhere, and yet they, the up and down. Um, there's always this distinction between upstairs and the downstairs and, and uh, the casino and the cafe. Everything's uh, There's always these separations, this idea of going inside and outside. So they make really good use of the setting and in this one too. Uh, so Lasso, the, the Nazis are all standing up singing their song and feeling very smug. You can just tell. And, you, and th- this, I think, is really kind of important because up until that time, they're just supposed to sort of be observers because 
Casablanca is still free French territory, which I guess was a big distinction. But the Nazis haven't actually overrun it yet. And this is when they're starting to feel their oats and say, hey, why are we respecting this ridiculous thing when we're conquering the world right now? Um, and so, and then we see all the re the reactions of all the people around. There's um, Yvette, who was Rick's girlfriend, Rivon, Rick's girlfriend, who he dumped and, and has taken up with a Nazi. And she's, you can tell she's just covered in shame. And then there's Renault. Captain Renault, the French police prefect, who is completely cynical. And you can tell he's not really happy about this, but he looks over at Rick to see what Rick's reaction is. And so you kind of scan the reactions of the people around the bar, the French French affiliated. That, and that's a, that's a really good point. I think that's where the switch in Rick's head gets flipped. That I, I think it, it, so much of this movie <clears throat> boils down to this is Rick's Cafe. Yeah, and so I think Rick's Cafe yeah, American. And, and <laughs> I think what flips the switch is oh, the Nazis think they can do this yeah. in my, my cafe. Yeah. No. Um, and, which, which is... And people look to them. <laughs> They're waiting for Rick to do something. And which is which is actually sort of such a funny... Uh, reason to start fighting the Nazis. That they sang a song in your bar. That they stepped to you as a man. I don't know. I, I think Churchill was probably thinking that. You know, <laughs> we're not going to let them come sing their oof and oompa songs well, in our pubs. Well, in, in the original... Uh, the original transcript, uh, we will fight in the cafes. <laughs> we will fight in the gambling casinos. We will never surrender. Um, I, but what's really interesting, and, and this is, it's I think, hard for modern Americans, probably modern everyone else, Europeans and all that, to think of American America as being so neutral that this has to constantly be pounded home. But that's how neutral America was then. And that so even with all this even though everything every fiber in rick's being hates the nazis he doesn't make a move the man of action the man the the european the effete europeans the one who goes goes down there and says play the marseillaise it's laszlo is the man yes who who takes action so and then what happens rick nods very coolly. <laughs> and why we know that Rick's a leader is because the band looks to him. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do anything until Rick tells them to. And so that's all he does. And it's very short and on. And then they start playing. Yes. And so where this middle portion ends, I think, is up for debate. Because I could see the break being the nod. Or I could see the break later being uh, the uh, the Nazi commander... No, shut this down. Now, I felt like, I feel like the, the high point of the whole thing is when Rick nods. But the emotional high point yes. is at the end of the singing, the sing-along. So you have all these French singing, you have Viva la France, you have the the people crying and, and all this enormous emotion and, and everything that's going going on. And, and yes, Laszlo's this big of a leader that he could get these people to do something that's incredibly dangerous. And and you see Ilsa, 
who has, let's face it, spent the last 40 minutes of this film contemplating dumping boring old Laszlo for <laughs> cool Rick. Um, is She kind of has a smile, a kind of rueful smile that says, oh gosh, she really is impressive. Mm-hmm. Laszlo, meaning. And so everything sort of has changed. And so I feel like the transition is right there when we see Elsa's face and we realize that this has just made her personal problems that much more complicated. And then the Nazi comes over. Um, and I, that feels like that, that there, here we're hitting the last part of the scene is when the song ends. Basically. Yes. And so I think, I think also this, I think we could also break the scene down in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, the, the emotional journey of the scene, uh, I think you can break up differently in a different way than the, the actual rising uh, action uh, of the scene. And yeah, and they're not the same. This is a, this, yeah. There's a lot of complications in this scene, I think, that makes it interesting to analyze... Um, but it also means it's, it's a lot more complex probably than most of our scenes are going to be in the very fact that we have, you know, so many important characters, even to say two central characters probably in the scene. Um, but I think, and then, so we have the ending part, let's say, so the Nazis sit down, they give up, then we have the great triumphal, um, you know, rising of the song and... Laszlo is being congratulated, and while he's being congratulated, it sort of was um, they uh, the Nazi uh, major comes over and threatens Ilsa, um, tells Renault to shut everything down, and and um, closes uh, Rick's cafe, and so they uh, it's always things break into three. So you have the Nazi also has three actions there at the end. Um, and that's that's really bad. So that's the ending. The surprise that everything was so triumphant and it turns on a dime just like that, and suddenly we're smack in the middle of extreme danger. Yes, I I also, I mean, just so just in one way, just for pacing of the plot in the movie, but um, but I also really like that it. It do, this scene does not end happily. They stood up to the Nazis and like would have actually happened. They got, you know, metaphorically beaten down. Uh, yeah, it had, for it. Yeah, because this is so early in 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 the war, and at this point. The Nazis won just about everything. Yeah, much at yeah. Point. I mean, <laughs> so if, I don't know if Midway. I think is just about the Japanese have won just if, about everything too. So if this scene had ended with the Nazis being like, "Oh shucks, we lost," <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It it wouldn't make any sense for many many reasons. Um, but especially that that this the the reality is is that 1942 this early in 1942, no one had any idea what was going to happen. Uh, I think probably most people, I mean, you certainly get the idea from uh, Churchill's uh, writings that, that that they fully expected to lose and that uh, the Queen and everybody else, or the King, they'd all have to retreat to the, you know, uh, uh, the colonies and things like that because even Britain was going to be overrun. And I think in 1942, I'd, I'd say it seems, it, it, it was so much up and down. And so this was, it couldn't have ended on some, that triumphant note. Uh, 
That's a really good thing because you never want to end on resolution till the very end of the story. Yes, and story. You, you have to keep, especially if there's a villain or an antagonist, you have to keep them dangerous. Right. Um, which, it, especially if you, as an, as the author, it, like your protagonist, it can be really tempting to just have things work out too well for them. And which, so if this movie had been poorly written, and ended with, you know, Rick, uh, Laszlo, Ilsa, you know, our protagonist, in victory. Well, where we have nowhere to go next. You've now taken all the stakes away, and I right. and I don't care. Even if in the next scene you ratchet it back up, it's just like you pushed, put a pin in that mm-hmm. balloon and all the, all the tension's gone. Um, so, okay, well, let's talk about the beginning of it has two, the two men. And they're romantic rivals, whether they know it or not. They're also sort of, um, I don't know even what to call it, um, rivals for stardom in the sense of, um, you know, which of them is coolest, which of them is most admired. And it is funny because Laszlo, the guy that Paul Heinrich who played Laszlo, supposedly was told he was going to be the star. <laughs> and because he, he was a huge star in Europe. And then I imagine day one, whatever Bogey's first day on set was, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm. It's impossible. Yeah. I can't. I literally cannot be the uh, no. central character." I think he probably said, "Why does that weird-looking guy have the best dressing room? <laughs> why? <laughs> Aren't I the booster? Why are all his costumes way cool? Why are all his outfits way cooler than mine?" Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that you can see that that he does play it, but they all play it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think, okay, he plays it like he's, he's this is my film. No, you know, I'm, I'm the star here. I'm not the star, just star. I am the protagonist. I am the main character. Ilsa, I think you could certainly make, I could make an argument that her journey is at least as interesting uh, over the course of the story. Um, Renault, Captain Renault. I mean, that actor plays in like every single scene. He, look at me, look at yeah, me. Yeah, he's st- but I mean, he also he steals every scene. Every scene that he's, he's in. in. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's kind of hard to steal a scene from um, from Ingrid Bergman and but, Humphrey Bogart. But when in in a lot of ways, it's much easier to write very very interesting. Uh, you know, I don't want to say necessarily bit characters, but smaller characters that we don't uh, see as much of because you had to cast Bogey because Rick has to maintain that cool for an entire movie. Yeah. Uh, Renault just gets to show up, uh, make a few jokes, yeah. uh, and betray someone, yeah. <laughs> and um, leave. Yeah. And, um, well, nope. and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay if every once in a while this less important character, you know, steals the spotlight. Well, I have to say, though, this is a real example, though, of, of things like other films of that era, like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, where there is the, there is a big star, and this is the main character, and this is a good actor, and he, he occupies his part, and he takes up a lot of room, and yet they're not afraid to give really rich um, parts and, and roles and action to everyone else. Yes. And so that um, Laszlo is never cut down. Laszlo's always an interesting guy with his own conflicts of, of how much can he trust his wife and um, is, is it fair to her that he has this crusade and all this. And he's an interesting guy. And Renault's an interesting guy. Elsa's an interesting uh, character too. And it's just all the way through. All these people are interesting and it's like, well, you know, they figured Bogart could hold his own. Yeah, well, and, but it also makes, it makes your world feel 
alive. If if instead, if Rick got literally all of the good lines and got to do all this, I was like, oh, okay, so this is this is like the Rick movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it wouldn't be Casablanca. Um, which, you know, like, Castaway is a perfectly good movie that's about a single, mm-hmm. uh, character. Although there's Wilson. Yes. Um, yeah, he but... has to create a character, because we understand it's just not, that one-man shows don't work. No. Uh, it, not, not in film, anyway. Um, and it, but also, but, uh, well, uh, Castaway, I guess it feeling, like, so small makes sense because it's just him on yeah, uh, this island. Yeah, I think it was island. meant but, to be an experiment. Yeah, but really. Casablanca is, I mean, it's a metaphor for the Second World War. Right. And it, let's needs fi- to, it needs to have uh, characters that, you know, that do things and say things to make it feel uh, bigger than it is. It, it, it is right. And especially since, if we say, it's being filmed on a film set in Los Angeles. And far, far, far from the war, far from Casablanca, and but so they have to make it feel more vital. And I think mm-hmm. this, you know, panoply of characters and and um, tension and intensity really helps with that. And of course, it's the highest stakes ever. I mean, that's it. World War Two is one of the highest stakes ever. So, so okay, but central character is obviously Rick. He's the central character of the whole film, but the most active character in the scene is Lancelot. Yes. And and he causes the most change. And he's where Rick. I would I would argue Rick does not really th- know the, the full consequences that are going to hit him. But Laszlo's already been escaped from a concentration yeah. camp. Well, he he knows what what could await him. So so uh, so Laszlo's a big man of action, but Rick is still the one that's important. And um, and I think that's in in a way. The most important thing, or the most clear thing that happens at the end, the biggest consequence is his business is shut down. And that's wor- worse than it sounds because his business has become his life. Yes, which, as we, yeah, which, as we've stated multiple times, his cafe, that's, that's everything. And uh, he's very, him. all the people who work for him and the people who hang out there, he has a, these are his people, this is his, mm-hmm. almost his family now. So that was a bigger consequence for him. Yeah, Laszlo's in danger, but Laszlo's been in danger for four years now. Big deal. Um, and um, so, uh, okay, well, let's see what else. Okay, so what would you say at the beginning is, okay, if Rick's the central character, what is Rick's goal at the beginning? I mean, it's to... <laughs> I mean, his his goal is to, you know basically be mean to laszlo yeah Uh, but but also um but at the same time not have that conversation yeah i i really i mean i think literally in some ways he meant it ask your wife i want you to ask her i want this to at least slightly come out in the open and and so that part of it is to do that kind of macho thing. Mm-hmm. If I know more about your wife than you do, but also to, to this is she's hiding this from you. I, yeah, I think also I, I think Rick is motivated in the scene also by all this Ilsa stuff. I'm supposed to be done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the big, terrible, hurtful, uh, 
moment with her already happened and clearly he hasn't actually moved on but i think he i think he was convinced that he had uh moved on i and so i, I really think uh, i really think a lot of this for him personally why he's so why he's angry at the beginning of the scene is that literally he's not supposed to have to worry about this anymore <laughs> um, he gave up on love. Yeah, I mean, of all the gin joints uh, <laughs> worldwide, she'd have to walk into mine or whatever. The, right. The... He, he was done. He, 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 and, and that's the thing is that, that it, it seems like chance to him and it, se- it seems so unfair. But, you know, he's putting it on Laszlo and Laszlo eventually, it seems like it's a while, but does kind of figure it out. Um, and um, so there's a character goal. Does he get his goal in the end? Now let's remember if we we're skipping to the end here. So does he get his goal? And it's no, he doesn't get his goal. Yes, he gets his goal, but something else happens. No, he doesn't get his goal, and furthermore, something else happens. I mean, he sort of goads Laszlo, but also like their uh, rivalry so immediately becomes so unimportant right. compared to the events going on so in Casablanca. Yes, yes no. he gets it, but he does go at him. He does, you know, make him feel insecure. But then, <laughs> then it's you've, something else Rick, happens. you've literally run afoul of the Nazis. Yes, that, yeah, they're not going <laughs> to let you go. Not, and to Rick, the Nazis here, not a metaphor. So, um, okay. Now we talk a lot about the magic rule of three in the middle of a scene in order to keep the escalation going. And I did not specifically watch for that, so we might have to think it through. Yeah, I With the idea of escalating tension. So the first thing that we say in the middle, the middle starts when they come down the stairs. Um, And so the first thing that happens... uh, Well, maybe... I mean, you can have different rules of of things of three, but I would say music is one. Yeah, well, yeah, I think the the escalation in the middle uh, of the scene... Uh, fits exactly with the emotional mm-hmm. uh, arc in the scene that uh, as more and more uh, more and more literal voices are being added uh, to La Marseillais, the emotional journey in the scene is rising and uh, but also don't forget those Nazis <laughs> are in the background and you are uh, you are you are poking a bear. Uh, now, so I I think escalating tension. I think it matches perfectly with the way we broke down the uh, the emotional arc. And yes, I think it's 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 the singing. So we have it starting out that they were the Nazis were singing Deutschland. Then the French affiliates the. It's all starts singing the Allies, start singing La Marseillaise, and then, and for that time, so there's the first that it's only Deutschland, second, each of them is singing, so you have both songs being sung at the same time. Competing. And then the Nazis sit down, and we only have the French anthem. And it seems totally triumphant. And you know what's so great about this is, that is, of course, the emotional high point, the big triumph. It's also exactly what's setting in motion the disaster. Yes. By humiliating, like you said, they poke the bear. Humiliating the Nazi, they have to, he has to act. And so there's, that's it, the three songs, so we have three parts of the song. Um, What, 
else? Um, I think we could go through the three women, for example. There are three women in the scene. There's one, I can't remember her name, but uh, she's the, uh, the, the, the chanteuse. Mm-hmm. She's playing the guitar. <coughs> and she is... Yeah, she's really the one who kicks it right because she, she is she's playing and she's singing very loudly and and joining in with Laszlo and hers she is purely France she is no ambiguity beauty at all she this is it she's gonna sing her and she's gonna uh, sing this full throated and then you have Yvette who had just been canoodling with a Nazi captain and it's like this is Yvette's turning point. Oh my God, I'm French. I, I'm good. And she's singing and she's crying and she's heartbroken and ashamed of herself. And yeah, in, Ilsa, in her movie, that's yeah. the, the biggest <laughs> offense. Well, that's what's wonderful. It's the Yvette's subplot. Yvonne, Yvette, I can't remember. Anyway, the E. Um, and then Ilsa, the third woman, who starts out in trepidation because mm-hmm. she know she knows what's coming she knows this isn't going to end well but at the end she's sort of reluctantly admiring her husband yeah and I, it, uh, I think also for ilsa this is the moment that i think she sort of realizes no i'm all i've already uh bought in a hundred percent that uh, even if that even if she decides even if she decided to uh leave with rick and give up on the war effort i I literally don't think uh narrative wise that she even could right i I don't think she would just turn another husband into a resistance leader i don't i don't think it's i don't think it is possible for ilsa um and yeah so this is also this scene is also a really important uh moment in uh, her character arc uh as well it's it's really interesting the three most important characters in this scene all get to have this pivotal moment uh, in their character journey uh, in one scene, and it works. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like too much. Um, which, if you had just, you know, told me on paper, hey, this scene going to have a major yeah. turning point for three separate characters, like, no, that's too much. Too many um, journeys. <laughs> Only one person gets to have a journey here. Oh, well, this... But the other thing that's just really interesting to me is the choice they make when... So the Nazi major comes storming over. He doesn't talk to Rick. He doesn't talk to Laszlo. He goes to Ilsa, and he goes to Renault. And why... They, I thought that was really interesting. It's, it's almost as if he kind of gets that these two guys are too big for me right now. Yeah. I'm not going to take them on head on. Maybe I. Well, you can intimidate a wife. Well, but basically, you know, your husband. I'm going to have your husband killed. Okay, well, she's going to be intimidated. But is his real motivation because he realizes that Ilsa is actually the brains? Yeah, well, behind the well, operation, not Laszlo. Um, also, probably the kind of decision maker. Okay, let's talk about Renault's ending here. Okay, this is this is a triumphant scene. It's a scary scene. It's a tense scene. And then we have that moment of levity. Okay, this is at the end where Renault, but everybody's having such a good time. And then um, then says he's shocked, shocked to find out there's gambling going on here. How do you feel about that? I think, so, so it's different than making a film. But in... A D and D campaign that I wrapped up at this point. 
uh, a couple months, like two months ago. <laughs> um, my original intent was to end just everything very dark uh, and uh, domineering, and I decided against that for several reasons, like as we actually got uh, to the moment, because I, I was like, things have been very dark already for seemingly so long at this point. I knew that, and I knew that the, my next game was going to also be very dark. Um, and so I think every once in a while throwing in a, in a joke to sort of relieve tension for the audience is not a bad thing, but probably have someone else read your script or, uh, read your novel and see if it takes them out of the moment. Cause for me, number one, this is a great joke. It's a great um, joke. It's very, very funny. Um, and uh, so I, I think it I think it works because it gives you just a, a moment of it gives you just a moment of levity, but also but also that's what Renault's character is. He know, he shows up yeah, he shows up at the end of the scene, makes a quick joke, and then he's out. Um, <laughs> that um, yeah, I I think it works fine, uh, because this this joke being made doesn't make the Nazis any less dangerous. And um, also, if your joke is funny, I'm okay with it. <laughs> right, and there's also that thing of where it's sort of okay. We laugh, we laugh, we laugh, and then he goes to Ilsa and he says, basically, you have two options: mm -hmm. you go with your husband to a concentration camp, or we kill him right now, right here. Which makes it all the more important that they get these letters of transit that they can get out of the, uh, yes. Morocco and come to the U.S. Um, it was so we have the the joke, we laugh, we think it's so funny. Uh, uh, it's it's and it's so clearly uh, lands. I mean uh, that Renault is in on the joke. He understands how ridiculous this is and how cynical it shows him to be and all this and and he doesn't expect anybody to believe that he's shocked and all that stuff. And so we're laughing at them. The next thing that happens is, you remember what we did to Czechoslovakia? We're going to do that mm -hmm. to your husband. Yeah, and another reason why I think it's it's effective is contrast, uh, mm. particularly in the tone of the scene. So if if the scene is just bad thing after bad after bad you kind of become desensitized mm -hmm. uh to it and that's not what the scene does the scene uh starts out as you know between two tension between two characters <laughs> then it's this victorious uh you know joyful feeling uh it's a, the emotional arc of the scene the the joy of you know of of everyone coming together and singing and defeating the Nazis in this very small way, this very small <laughs> moment. Uh, and then things immediately after that get real bad. Yeah. Then you have this moment of levity. And then, oh no, things are even worse. Concentration camp or we kill your, uh, your husband. <laughs> um, so I think it, it's also just sort of, I think it's an effective way to, that just this, this moment of levity, this joke gives you a second to breathe so that then the, then you're like, Oh no, what I thought was disastrous Rick's cafe getting closed. It's much, much worse than that. 
Yes, and there's that two-step, really. You have, because you have, okay, the joy, the excitement, the triumph. Then there's the, 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 the where, where he goes to Renault, and it's going to, and, and so there's this joke. So you go from triumph to kind of laughter. And if you'd gone from triumph to despair, it might have been too abrupt. So here you have this little landing, which is everybody's laughing about Renault. And then, but it's a cynical laugh. Yes. You know, there is an, a, 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 there's very much of a, uh, an understanding that the, the Nazis are really bad. They can just like that shut this down and get this policeman to do their bidding for mm -hmm. them. And then the, uh, the terrible thing that happens next um, isn't quite as abrupt. So it's a two-step. I like that. I think and, that's an interesting <laughs> way to do it. And your scene can be like all oppressive all the way through if that's the intent and you do it well that wasn't the intent uh of this scene which is why but also again like someone who loves comedy as much as i do if your joke is funny i'm probably going to be okay with it i just started thinking of some of <clears throat> renault's jokes and you know the one where he's joking about uh, you know how he has this seduction racket set up that he extorts women who want visas out of the away from the Nazis, and he gets them, he seduces them in, in exchange for these visas, and he's joking about it, and he says, and I'm going to be with a nice little blonde, and I hope you make sure she loses, because, uh, and, and, you know, the, this, and when you think what he's talking about is forcing women to prostitute themselves for their freedom, for God's sake, it's in all ways. There's just so much of an edge with him, but it makes sense because this is Vichy France, yeah. and and uh, he's he's officially having to help the Nazis. Out. So it's um, it, it's just it's 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 really whatever. He's always very funny. He's even funny at that he never loses being funny. All the way through, even though he also goes through a journey, his, his journey just is very advanced at this point. But um, but that's uh, but it's good because it leavens the absolute idealism of Laszlo and Elsa. You know, it, it it balances it out that you could be a total cynic and and make jokes about everything and still be on the side of the Allies. I I, I and so um, so so the movie. I mean, the scene ends on the disaster, no doubt about it. Um, the, what would you say the transition, that's the transition to the next yes. scene. Which is, which, I mean, is both figuratively and literally kind of a hard cut. Um, yeah. but, but really that's what the transition should, uh, be here because it's such a definitive right. moment. Uh, it's literally a turning point. Right. In Everything changes the, after this. Yes. We're actually going into the third act because the next See the next scenes are basically setting up for uh, Rick's decisions. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because the scene that happens next. I mean, there's is is Laszlo and Ilsa and Rick all dealing with the consequences of this, and uh, and it's become that much more important. Um, so there's a transition. Also, the question that Rick poses at the beginning of this scene: Ask your wife why I won't sell you these visas for any amount of money. Ask your wife. He tries to ask her, Laszlo does try to ask, but he's so gentlemanly, he can't bring the words out. But, uh, um, but, and then Rick has to deal with the closure of the cafe, and he says, we're keeping everybody on salary. So we know what a good guy he is. Yes. Which, weirdly, today, I saw, uh, to, this will date us a little bit, at least during COVID, uh, but for the upcoming Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise said, no, you're hiring, you're bringing everyone uh, in the crew and 
uh, and those that you can't pay, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, which that, yes, that we're not doing. We're not cutting back because of this big disaster. And we see that with it. Mm-hmm. You know, he says that, and yet at the same time, is it Otto? It's not Otto. Carl, the um, his um, Mater D. I forget what uh, he that he says. Um, well, I've got to get to my meeting, which is the meeting of a resistance with Laszlo. And Rick says, I don't want to hear about it. Don't say anything. So Rick is not quite there yet. He hasn't quite thrown it in, and I'm going to join the resistance. No, which which is which is why the, I think the... the So also, we, yeah, so we see Rick is a good guy, which actually is important, because if we're not reminded that he's a good guy... He's just a guy who's letting the Nazis win. I know, and, and because when, because facing them would be difficult. And after all, this is because it's still 1942 when this is made. This is still an argument to the American people saying, "You got to do this for us. You can't let the rest of the world be overrun by these terrible Nazis." And and so it was. Uh, so it's it's uh, interesting to see how they you know are constantly and I think you know that's what America gets all the time because we're so big and we're so powerful is we we really admire you and love you and can you be nice to us yes and, you know, please this, yeah, please help yes and uh, so uh, so it's just it's really when you think of Rick and and what's great I think is that Rick is at the same time a completely full fledged character absolutely three dimensional and is also a perfect symbol of the United States. And it's difficult to get that because often when you go with this, you know, that he's he's an analogy for this, you get kind of didactic and, mm-hmm. and a little bit too directive and on the nose and all that. But this is this is it. You start with these total characters and, and you can really, if you commit that this is going to be a total character, this is going to be a person with conflicts, this is going to be so, someone with strengths and weaknesses um, and who can change. Yes, the... the... That internal conflict is is very important. Um, I mean, because if Rick's not an amazing character, sort of like the American neutrality at the time is sort of like if a if a big brother is just like watching his little brother get beat up by three kids and and the little brother's like not <laughs> not not to I don't mean this to be condescending in any way uh, towards anyone that's not the United States but hey everything's bad help and just be like no yeah because... that must be, that's the way it sounded at Churchill <clears throat> yeah and that like you are neutrality you can be the bad guy by being neutral um and uh, you know all not necessarily even uh, all the but also but also this is why spider-man never gets to be happy because what's his whole deal with great power comes great responsibility which means you've got to be responsible the entire time which to when you don't act you are also responsible uh for the consequences uh, of that inaction. I have to say, <laughs> if we would just look at even him, that Rick Laszlo saying, okay, you know, my wife and I are going to get sent to a concentration camp and or murdered. Can we please give you lots of money yes. for these letters of transit? No, no. <laughs> and you know, what's so weird is we actually go along and we understand. Well, of course, Rick's heart was broken. Yeah. And, and and it's it's just so funny in the beginning of, of that, that if we were 
I, I just wonder how people who are not American see that. See, because they're probably thinking, you're going to let them die. <laughs> well, but, but also, but I mean, when your character is well written, you get over that yeah. cognitive dissonance. Yeah, you say, hey, he's my guy. I but also, I mean, we know he's going to come around in the end. The, 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 the real tension for the audience is because, well... I mean, I guess we don't know for sure that, it, but because it's well written. But also, we know that he's gonna come around uh, in the end. But of course, there was that you know that great story that Ingrid Bergman did not know until the day they filmed the last scene that she that she was gonna walk off with Laszlo, and that Bogart knew, but she didn't. <laughs> that Rick was actually not gonna get it all. Rick was not gonna get the triumph. Rick was not gonna get the girl, and Rick was not gonna get. To save yeah, what, Europe, the, he had to choose one, and he chose to saving Europe. Yeah, what a terrible ending it would have been <laughs> if it was if it had been the opposite. He's like, oh no, the no, the, the world, I don't care. I got we're, my, we're I, I got the girl. I we're gonna find <laughs> we're we're gonna find a new Casablanca. Yeah, it's uh, it it, it is it's, it, that it would be very interesting we're, to see that. We're gonna go to I don't know Brazil. Well, yeah, Brazil was still South America wasn't much involved, but yeah, yeah but it's uh, it's it's yeah. really true, and and um, so that how they how the scene is this huge point of no return. Everything changes, but the, of course, the great thing about this film in every single scene, everything changes, yes. and yet it's so fluid, um, and th we see so much of the changes in the characters, but I think one thing is that it's always presented as a moral issue. All these things are always presented as, I don't mean moralism, religious, or anything like that, but just that this is this is something where your choice defines who you are. And you, you choose this way, and you're going to be worse as a person. And what we see is Rick pretty much grudgingly or whatever is always choosing the one that makes him into a better person. Well, yeah, and this this scene particularly another reason why it's a point of absolute no return is that this isn't this isn't a, a moment where things change emo emotionally. I mean things do, but this is this is practical, tangible disaster and danger that Rick was not in previously, and now he is and had not. <clears throat> And had studiously tried to avoid. Yes. And that's the point of no return. It's, I mean, it ought to be when what I've been trying to avoid all this time, I can't avoid anymore. Or what's great about this is it's because it is due to his own action. Mm -hmm. um, he does not. He does tell the band to go ahead and play. And so it was, isn't just he's swept along by, you know, this red tide of war. He he chooses whether he knows it fully or not what's going to happen. So. Okay, well, let's see. Is there anything else you want to say about uh, this best of all scenes? Best of all sing-along scenes? I don't think so. I think we've covered it. Okay, well, <clears throat> again, you know, the film bears watching, re-watching, and watching again. And um, and so, uh, and we have done a full analysis of almost every important scene, in, 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 which uh, we can link to. Uh, I, but I just realized in my head that an idea for a Spider-Man story that I have that Spider-Man now, instead of being the, the, the reason it doesn't work is that you have to break the, you have to subvert the main, uh, the main theme and idea behind the character 
with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, but that so my version would be an older Peter Parker who is much more reluctant and bitter, and it's it's Rick from Casablanca. Right, because I was saying Rick was that way. They always they bring up all the stuff he did that he helped the Ethiopians out. That he was on the Spanish uh, the freedom side of the Spanish Civil War. They bring all this stuff, and it's obvious he closed the door. That's it. I am not going to be that responsible person anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a person who cares anymore. So that would be, but I mean, he, you know, something had to happen to make yes. it be that way. But, but I think, yeah, you know, there's a point, especially if you have been responsible from the time you're 20 years old or something like that. Yeah, there's probably a point where you decide that I'm, I'm going to quit this. Yeah. Didn't do me any good. So, um, okay. What, one of the things that this is uh, setting up for is that we're doing. A scenes course. We're almost done with it. And if you would like information about that, uh, where we explore all the facets of building a scene, um, the, the, the you can get information. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's um, so if you go to http bitly bit b i t dot slash scenes s e s c e n e s hyphen course. You can get information. You can sign up to get information on the scenes course, um, which really goes into depth about how to build amazing scenes like this, and uh, I think would help empower your scenes. None of us can write as good a scene as that. None of us can hire any of these actors who are all long dead, but we can write scenes that have power and intensity and build and uh, face the characters with challenges, and that's what the scenes course is meant to do. So, okay, so um, if anybody's interested, do that. And if not, I think that we need to do another rewatch of Casablanca and see what we missed the last time. Thank you to Nick Weber and the Heartland Heretics for the intro and outro music. This is James Raisley. We'll be back next time to discuss another plot element.